Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. All right. Welcome to our last iGrow class covering the book of Daniel. We've had six of these, including this one. First, I'd like to thank Pastor for allowing me to teach this class. Um, I'd also like to thank Ave for helping a lot, teaching lessons, and helping me and my mother with our lessons. And I'd like to thank my mom, who definitely pushed me into doing this. Um, if it wasn't for her, I, would, I wouldn't be teaching. But I'm thankful that she did. So it's been a lot of fun digging into Daniel. And hasn't this book been really cool for those of you that have been in this class? Like, this is one of the coolest books, especially in the Old Testament. Um, so let's go back over the highlights. Chapter 1. Anybody know what happened? <laughs> Chapter 1, Daniel and his friends are taken into captivity, and they refuse to eat the king's meat, right? They refused, and God blessed their faithfulness and elevated them in the kingdom. Chapter 2, that was the dream, right? Everybody remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream? It was interpreted, Daniel interpreted, and he was elevated again in the kingdom of Babylon. Chapter 3, my favorite chapter. Daniel's not even anywhere to be found, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace because they stood up for their beliefs. What happened? God saved them. They were elevated in the kingdom of Babylon. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had another dream, which Daniel interpreted again. And then, um, because of his pride, Nebuchadnezzar spent seven years living like a wild animal. And then he regained his sanity, declared God to be the true God, and... You know, that God was glorified. Chapter 5, there's a new king. Anybody remember his name? Belshazzar? Anyone? No? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say it again. Belshazzar. It's going to be on the test. All right. (laughs) So Belshazzar was treating life like a big party. God put the writing on the wall. Everybody remember that? And David interpreted that once again. And then... While Daniel is elevated, he's only elevated for about an hour because Babylon fell and Belshazzar was killed. So that's where we come to chapter 6. Tonight, we're covering the 6th chapter, and it takes place during the reign of the Persian Empire, the Media Persian Empire. In my opinion, I think most of you would agree, this is one of the most famous and loved chapters of the Old Testament. So I'm really excited to teach on it today. Alright, last week Mom taught us the lesson on chapter 5, where at the end, we see that the golden head of Babylon had given way to the chest and arms of silver, which is the Persian Empire, from the dream. Um, After 67 years of powerful rule over the known world, Babylon was defeated, and King Belshazzar was killed. So now, the ruler of the media Persian Empire is King Cyrus, and King Cyrus was known to be a benevolent king, He was known to be a tolerant king, tolerant of religious freedom and things like that. Um, And he placed over Babylon King Darius. So while King Darius is a king, he's a king of Babylon, but he is under the authority of King Cyrus. We're going to see 
um, that this kingdom, Babylon, now is a little different than it was under the previous rulers. Okay, so let's go ahead and get to verse one. Who wants to read? Jessica, will you read, please? It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Verse 2. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. All right, so like I mentioned before, this empire is set up differently than Babylon was before. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was an absolute monarch. We read in chapter 5, verse 19. And for the majesty that, we, that he gave him, all, that's G, for the majesty that God gave Nebuchadnezzar, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. Whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he set up. Whom he would, he put down. So he was a tyrannical, authoritarian king, right? But here, at the beginning of this chapter, we see that Darius set up what we would call a congress or a parliament, right? There's a structure, a hierarchy in this government. And these people had a definite voice in making the law, and that law had to be ratified by the king. And because of how this king was set up in the immediate Persian law, their laws were unalterable. Even the king couldn't change the laws. I don't know about King Cyrus, but King Darius could not change the law once the decree was signed. <clears throat> Verse 3. Babe, will you read again, please? Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So here's our hero, Daniel, approaching 90 years old and still being elevated in the kingdom because of his attitude, his competency, and his faith in God. I would have probably retired by 90, <laughs> just me. But uh, he's different. Daniel's built a little different, okay? And it's obvious to everyone around him that God's presence was strong in his life. And like the phrase goes, the cream rises to the top, right? Once again, he's elevating the kingdom. He was elevated by Nebuchadnezzar. He was elevated by Belshazzar. Now he's elevated by King Darius. Once again, it didn't take long for Darius to see that he had a real gem. And there were three presidents, like I said. And he wasn't just one of the three presidents of the kingdom. He was the preferred president. He was essentially the number two ruler in the kingdom of Babylon. So uh, he had all of this because of why? An excellent spirit. So what does the New Testament say about an excellent spirit? Avery, will you read that for me, please? Yep. Uh, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. All right, James chapter 4, verse 10. Thank you. So this is a quote that you, you gave last week. It's your job to humble yourself, and it's God's job to elevate you. If you try to do God's job, he'll do yours, right? So Daniel wasn't trying to do God's job. Over and over, we've seen him elevated in the kingdom because of his humility, his faith, and his excellent spirit. So Daniel humbled himself. God elevated Daniel. But while this promotion is pretty cool, good for him, it brings him a lot of trouble. All right, verse 4. Um, someone else want to read? Go ahead, please. And the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. One more, please. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this 
Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Wow. What an amazing testimony. He, Daniel had been in Babylon for over 70 years since he was a teenager. Now he's nearing his 90s. He'd been separated from his people, from his nation. He'd been ruler in a land with plenty of sin and corruption, right? And yet, through all that, he was found completely blameless, not a fault. Not a single fault that they could find on him. So we're kind of in a similar situation, right? We're separated from our kingdom. This world is not our home, surrounded by sin and corruption, right? But yet, we have to be able to stand up and be blameless in the sight of our peers, in the sight of this land. All right. Um, so Daniel is a good example of what Paul speaks about in Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. He might as well have just said, be like Daniel, right? I mean, that's pretty much exactly what it's talking about. Uh, I want to be able to stand as guiltless and as blameless as Daniel when our day comes to be judged. All right. So I've always heard it talked about that these presidents and these princes, they were just jealous, okay? Um, they saw Daniel, and they couldn't hold a flame to him, and they wanted him taken out because of their envy. There's a quote by Thomas Seasons that says, Base envy withers at another's joy, and it hates that excellence that it cannot reach. It's a good, it's a pretty good explanation of what envy is, right? Um, they couldn't reach the excellence that Daniel had, and they had envy. We've seen numerous examples of similar jealousy and envy throughout the Bible. Can anybody name any, any Bible stories of jealousy? Oh, we can go back to the beginning. Cain and Abel. Cain, yeah. Cain and Abel. Pretty early. All right? It was jealousy has been around for a long time. Joseph's brothers sold him off into to slavery in Egypt, right? Leah and Rachel. That's a lady jealousy. That's the that's craziest kind. Uh, and, you know, um, King, uh, King Saul's was jealous of, of David. And then we can even go to the New Testament, the Pharisees' jealousy of Jesus, right? It's quite a normal thing, jealousy, envy. And while I do think it's true that jealousy had a large part to play in these men um, coming against Daniel, they wanted him gone, but I've also added a little more perspective to their reasoning here. Like we said, this kingdom set up a little different, right? It's a hierarchy. There's perhaps there's a little more room to move up, to advance your career, right? Uh, they knew um, they didn't necessarily want to take Daniel's spot, right? There, there was career seeking and there was corruption, as there always is in politics. But they knew that they wouldn't get away with their greed and their corruption while Daniel was around. They had money at stake. They were greedy, right? They couldn't get away with the sneaky, shady politics that they wanted to while Daniel was over them. So it wasn't just that they were jealous. Daniel was too honest and too competent at his job to let them get away with what they wanted to get away with. So what do they do? They try and take out the guy that's blocking their way to whatever they want to do. Um, and once, the, once they realized that they couldn't take him out by normal means, because he actually did something wrong, they pulled out an old trick that is pretty relevant today. Before we get there, verse 6. Uh, Ebony? 
right, one more verse, please. All right, so they're already flattering him up. Butter him up a little. King Darius, live forever. All right, next verse. Yes, please. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, statute, and to make a firm decree in in whosoever shall ask the petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, yeah, y'all know one thing I highlight here. All the presidents, right? They said all the presidents of the kingdoms. There's only three. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors. Is that true? Did, did, did they talk to Daniel? Did they get Daniel's approval on this? I don't think so. All right, so we've already got a little, we've got some buttering up. We've got some flattery and we've got some dishonesty. All right, next verse, Ebony. And one more, please. <clears throat> All right, so they said, now, O king. So it kind of rushing them a little bit, too. So they were flattering them, buttering them up, lying to them, and rushing them. All in the, you know, don't think about it too much. Just sign this thing. Not only were they dishonest, um, they, it, was just, it was just complete just corruption. On first consideration, sure, it probably sounded pretty nice to King Darius, right? Who doesn't want a little honor and respect? When I was writing this, I thought of the R-E-S-P-E-C-T song, but I'm not going to sing it. Um, you know, you just, just want a little respect, right? You wanted some, some honor around the kingdom. So, uh, what? There's been a unanimous vote by all the presidents and leaders to honor me? Darius was only human, right? He wanted to, he, he, he liked the thought. That they, that they gave to him. This reminds me of those emails at work. For, and this is maybe just a corporate job thing. But you get those emails that say, so-and-so sent you a compliment or a gift. Click on the link to see. And then by the time you click on the link and now you have a virus on your computer. <laughs> and you got to bring it to IT. And you, they, they, they hacked King Darius, right? <laughs> they, 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 it was a phishing attack and he got hacked. Okay. So once he signed it, once he clicked on the link, there was no going back. There was no changing it. Not in the Persian Empire. Even King Darius couldn't take it back. So Darius had unwittingly accepted the plot, set out to destroy his best friend. I say his best friend. I assume it's his best friend. It's the guy he put second in command of the kingdom. Those rulers probably felt good when Darius sealed the decree. They were going to get away with a lot without that self-righteous Daniel hovering around. What they hadn't considered was they were dealing with God's prophet. In 1 Chronicles 16 verse 22, God said, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. That's the words, that's the words of God, right? That's, that's, that's serious business. These guys weren't dealing with an ordinary fella. They were dealing with someone that God had chosen and appointed to carry out a part of his eternal plan and purpose. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, speaking to Abraham, God said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you 
All the families of the earth shall be blessed. We have to know that it's God's job to carry out justice, right? We, we need to do our part, and God will do his, right? We're not supposed to do God's job. We're supposed to do our job. And after reading all that, I'm guessing, maybe, Daniel's enemies might regret attacking God's chosen, Daniel. Furthermore about Daniel's enemies, I mentioned the tactic before. This whole tactic of theirs is kind of similar to a tactic that we need to prepare ourselves for. It's unfortunately a tactic that we've seen throughout history, and it's pretty nasty. That's worldview persecution. What do you do? First, you identify a group. Then you marginalize that group. You push them out to the, to the boundaries, right? You, you push them away. And you vilify them. They're evil. They're immoral. They're wrong. Then you pass laws against what that group does. Lastly, all you have to do is enforce those laws. Worldview persecution is a classic, classic path to worldview persecution. We've talked a lot about how the book of Daniel lines up with end-time prophecy. I can see this tactic boiling up against believers. More and more Christians... We've already read the back of the book, right? We know it's going to happen. <clears throat> more and more Christians are marginalized and vilified. We're going to see laws passed targeting, marginalizing, vilifying Christians. There's always, it's already happening as Christian businesses. It's going to happen, and we have to be ready for it. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2. What does it say? Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So, what are we going to do when laws are passed to take away our rights to live our beliefs? Well, let's see what we can learn from Daniel. Okay? <laughs> let's get back to, to Daniel chapter 6. Nathan, you want to read? Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So, does everybody think Daniel was a pretty busy guy? Number two in the kingdom. Like I said, I would have been retired, but this guy <laughs> was just still kicking. He was number two in command of the kingdom, but yet he still found the time. <clears throat> To get on his knees, open up his window towards Jerusalem, and pray. It's pretty easy to think we're too busy to pray, right? But we have an example of another guy that was pretty busy, right? Maybe he was busier than us. And we had to be able to look at that example. And look, also, previous verse, the last thing it says, as he did aforetime. This wasn't new, right? This is what something he had always done. Daniel was doing, the ha he was continuing the habits that he had learned in his younger days and they had prepared him for what was happening now in his older days so he was so consistent that even his enemies knew that he prayed three times a day i mean <laughs> i mean obviously he was pretty consistent with this stuff people that are older I'm not going to point any fingers or elbows or anything people that are older may say ah it's too late for me i i i, I didn't learn those habits when i was young too late now is that right now it may be it may be harder for for it may be hard for an old dog. It may be hard for an old dog to learn new tricks, but we all need to 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 get good godly habits in our lives. But younger people, 
I plea to you guys. I'm just look. I'm just looking anywhere. You younger people. I'm in the middle, so I'm, I'm in the middle. Um, younger people have a golden opportunity in this season to establish habits of godliness that will serve you your entire life. Look at that table. Um, in your 80s, you'll thank God that you establish these godly habits now. You'll be able to draw on them in critical moments, just as Daniel did. And there's something very powerful in godly habits. So some daily habits that can benefit everyone. Prayer. Trust in the Lord. Meditation on the Word of God. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. Give to God. Give to others. Pay your tithes. <laughs> Forgiving others. All of these are, are excellent habits that Jesus Christ showed us, right? Jesus Christ showed all of these habits when He was here on earth, living out His godly life as an example for us. Numerous examples. And it was habits like these that kept Daniel through his trials. And as we've learned for people that have been through your six weeks, Daniel's been through quite a few, right? It doesn't say in the scriptures, but he had to have been tempted, right? I mean, Jesus was tempted in the yeah. desert, remember? Okay, so can you imagine? You don't have to pray. It's a week. Just take a week off. you got plenty of prayer stored up, right? Or, okay, okay, you can pray. Let's close the window. All right, let's, let's, let's keep it quiet. Let's make sure nobody sees. You think that went through his head? Probably, right? I know it would have gone through mine. <laughs> but Daniel had a lifetime of experiencing the faithfulness of the Lord. He was nearing his 90s. And Daniel was consistently faithful to God. And God consistently protected him and promoted him. So why in the world would he change now? Daniel knew that God rules in the kingdom of men. And then, lastly, the, as this, there's a lot in this lesson, verse 10. Lastly, it says that he gave thanks. He gave thanks in this trial. His peers were trying to make him lion food, lion chow, okay? Deliberately targeting him to get him eaten by lions, and he was thankful. His king had completely overlooked him. His, 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 his friend had completely overlooked him when he signed the decree. It would be pretty hard to come up with things to thank God for in a moment like that. But there are truly ways that we can be thankful in every situation. So Nathan, come up here. Let's say, let's say you get robbed. Okay? I got a gun. Give me your wallet. <laughs> you might get it back. You got robbed. All right? All right. What do you have to be thankful for? What do you have to be thankful for? Didn't take my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't take your phone. Alright. Maybe. Family. Oh, fam maybe we can be thankful that it never happened before. Maybe. Hopefully you haven't been robbed before. Um, maybe we can thank God that although your money was taken, it wasn't very much. <laughs> maybe we can thank God that your life was spared. Right? Maybe we can thank God that you were robbed and you weren't the one doing the robbing. All right? There's always things that we can be thankful for through every situation. And I know there's plenty of situations that are bleak and they're hard, but there are things to be thankful for. We have to, be, we have to strive to be thankful through our trials. Even when it's, I mean, it's really easy to take things for granted, but we have to remain thankful with a positive attitude. As we read in 1 Thessalonians, what does it say? Be thankful in... All. Oh, is that only when it's good? 
all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All right, so let's get back to the chapter. Verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and and making supplication before his God. So Daniel's enemies were right. They had him figured out. They gathered together on the Jerusalem side of his house. They looked in through the window and they saw him praying just as they expected. We don't know what he prayed. We don't know what the words were. That, I kind of wish that they would that 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 would be in the Bible. That would be really interesting to find out. But I rest assured that he knew he was being watched. Yeah. He wasn't a dumb guy. He knew he was being watched. He knew this was a deliberate attack on him, and he knew that in moments he would be arrested and brought before the king, put to trial, probably thrown in a lion's den. It didn't stop him. He prayed with the peace of God in his heart. Verse twelve. Who wants to read? Um, then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Um, uh, again, please. Then answered, then answered they and said before the king. That Daniel, which is one of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth thee, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. All right. So Darius kind of had that moment that kind of like everything gets small and like goes dim. And he was like, oh, that's why they got me to sign that decree. It all came crashing down. That's what they were doing. He had been deceived into making a decree that targeted someone he loved. And these men said, Daniel, regardeth not thee, O king. Was that true? No. Daniel intended no disrespect, and he showed no disrespect. All he did was pray to his God. If he had prayed to Darius, he would be doing Darius a disfavor and his own soul, right? One thing I like about Darius a lot, he said he was displeased with himself, right? He didn't point the finger and blame. He could have. He had a pretty good, pretty good people to point at, right? <clears throat> he knew that he was at fault. Surely, he wasn't happy with the deception of the men, but he was responsible. The buck stopped with him, right? Why was he displeased with himself? He had wrongly confirmed a decree which went against what he tolerated, the free exercise of religion by his subjects. Like we said, King Cyrus, the Persian Empire was religiously tolerant. They were, he was a benevol- it was a benevol- benevolent kingdom. Sorry. Um, it, why, why else? He realized there was just no good reason for this law. He had to. He was like, there's no, why did, why did I do that? There was no good reason for this. It was, his actions were unfit for a king, and he hadn't foreseen the consequences of his actions. And lastly, he now saw the endangered the life of his first officer, a man with pristine character not a flaw isn't it true that like darius our foolish decisions can haunt us often all we can do is pray and ask god to mercifully intervene when we make foolish mistakes maybe it's only me 
<laughs> but I know I make foolish mistakes, and unfortunately, sometimes they affect other people. Um, that's where Darius was. And he labored until the sun went down to change it. He set his heart to deliver Daniel. We don't know exactly what he did, but I, I can imagine he went to all the presidents or the, the princes. He went to the, the people that made the law and, and the judges and whoever. And he tried to figure out any way that he could get Daniel out of the situation. And maybe, maybe he could have just said no. I don't know, but maybe he could have just said no, I'm not punishing Daniel. Maybe. But maybe he knew that that would just completely destabilize the kingdom. And then everything would, and it wasn't even truly his kingdom, right? Like he was under Cyrus. Oh, goodness. It was hard to, it was hard to pardon Daniel for a few reasons. It was hard because the law was absolute, right? Couldn't be changed. It was an absolute law. It was crystal clear. There was no gray area. You're not supposed to pray to anybody else. The evidence was clear that Daniel broke the law. Daniel wasn't lying. He wasn't denying it, probably. He's like, yeah, I was praying. Yeah. You know, he told the truth. And then the law couldn't be changed. So perhaps he knew that saving Daniel would just cause immense problems and would bring ruin to the kingdom. And maybe, also, he just felt like Daniel's God would protect him. All right, maybe. Verse 16. Who wants to read? Christina, you're a great reader. <laughs> then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the, the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. One more, please. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. All right, I imagine Daniel's enemies were hanging out around the den, yes. right? They were intently just waiting to hear the piercing cries of Daniel as he came to his end. And he probably walked away a little perplexed, like, okay, well, maybe he quietly died. I don't know. Um, they, just, then they just wandered on home. All right, but King Darius, on the other hand... Decided to fast all night, hoping that the lions would do the same. King Darius didn't even participate in the traditional acts of dinner. Which, you know, usually dinner was held late at night. Some entertainment, some food, drinks, music, dancing ladies, all that stuff. And it was just, you know, celebrating a hard day's work. It's it true. That's what they, that's what they did. Um, but Darius was sincerely upset about what was happening in the lion's den. I think it was pretty understandable, right? It'd be pretty hard to relax and eat. And so I know when like things are really going on and turmoil in my heart, like I can't sleep. Like I, I stay, I, my wife knows. If I don't take a sip of NyQuil, I'm staying up on it. <laughs> um, have you ever messed up something? I don't want to hear, I don't want to see hands, but have you ever messed up something for someone else? God forbid you actually do someone that actually hurt somebody. But I think we've all made mistakes that cost a friend something, okay? Like, and it, it, it just hurts down here. Like, maybe, hypothetically, you're 12 years old, and you go to your friend's house, 
and they have this new PlayStation, and you're playing and you're having fun, and you think you can jump over high enough to miss the controller cords. That's not hypothetical. And you can't jump that high, and you the the PlayStation comes crashing down to the ground, and your friend's crying, and you're sitting there, and you just yeah, it, it's uh, not fun. Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, okay, it's painful. All right, it makes you feel terrible when you when your friends pay for your mistakes. Right, Be, being serious. I mean, see, when when you mess things up for your friends, it hurts a little worse than stubbing your toe. Right. Although, stubbing your toe is the worst. <laughs> um, all right, verse 19. Uh, Christine, you want to keep going, please? Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. One more, please. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? All right, this is the part where if Daniel had any sense of humor, he just waited for like five or six, seven, eight, nine seconds. Just just waited. And then he said this next part. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Go on. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no man of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Completely delivered, once again. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they came out of the fire furnace and they didn't even smell like smoke, Daniel came out without a scratch on him. Notice that Daniel wasn't the first to speak out. Stone rolled back and we didn't hear Daniel, Get me out of here! Right? It was, you know, I like to think he waited a second. But Daniel was likely resting peacefully. He probably got a much better night's sleep than King Darius did. Daniel said that the angel of God was sent to deliver him. Isn't it interesting to think about how the angel stopped the, the, stopped the lions? Yeah. You know, it's, can you imagine being like, all right, I got to go to, and the angel's sitting there all night holding the lions now. <laughs> or, you know, or maybe he made their tummies hurt. Or whatever, maybe he just blocked the way. Who knows? But it's kind of, it's kind of a cool thought, right? Um, why does it say that Daniel was delivered? It says, Daniel, Daniel said that God found him innocent. Mm-hmm. That's why he was delivered. And it also says he was not hurt because he believed in his God. Yeah. What, uh, Psalm chapter 34 verse 7 says, The angel Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And he delivers them. So it was faith, it was integrity, and it was the fear of God that shut the mouths of the lions. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. We all have lions in our lives, right? Sooner or later, we'll have to face them if you're not facing them now, whether that form be health problems, financial problems, slander, persecution. May we learn, as the Apostle Paul did, 
Even if all else falls around our side, the Lord will still stand with us. He wrote in Timothy, 2 Timothy, this is Paul. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. God can shut the lion's mouth, whatever form it comes. Stand firm in your faith, have integrity, and fear the Lord. I look forward to the day when all the lion's mouths are shut. For good. And peace reigns on earth. Alright, let's see what happens next. Verse 24. Uh, anybody? anybody? Oh, 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 go ahead. Yes, please. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces. Or ever they came at the bottom of the day. All right, so this is the part they typically don't tell in the Sunday school lessons, no. right? <laughs> All right, I didn't learn that in Sunday school. It wasn't in VeggieTales. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't in VeggieTales. That's a good point. The ones who set the trap got thrown into their own trap, yeah. right? Yeah. They had been snared by their own trap. Not just them, but their wives and their children too. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Yeah. You remember what we read in Genesis? I will bless those who bless you. Now curse those who curse you. Unfortunately, it was not uncommon for the families of guilty men to be punished along with the head of the house. The Persian laws were formidable. They were harsh. Does this happen today? How many times have we seen a family suffer for the guilt of the, of the man, of the head of the house, of the, of the parents? When a man is convicted of a crime, it's not just him that suffers, yeah. Right? Everyone is punished. Though this took another form in ancient times, the principle is still here today. As men, as the head of the house, are we responsible for the lives of our families? I don't have a lot of dads in here. I have one, one dad in here. But moms, too. Are we responsible for the lives of our children? Yeah. It's important that we set the example and live out a godly life for our children to follow. These men's wickedness not only hurt themselves, but it brought sorrow heartache, and death on their whole family. I don't know how factual it is, but I read that there was skepticism throughout this whole ordeal. Oh, sure. You probably just fed the lions a bunch of meat right before you threw Daniel in there, huh? So I read that what they did was they fed the lions a bunch of flesh, and then they threw Daniel's enemies in there. It didn't matter. They were destroyed instantly. Maybe not even to eat, but just... Didn't like the smell of them or something. I don't know. Um, that's one way to prove the miracle, right? If there's anything we know about Daniel, it's the guy likes to prove his miracles. Mm-hmm. All right. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and steadfast forever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Darius wrote a different law this time. It's a little different from the one that he signed at the beginning of the chapter, right? 
What did he learn about God? We talked a lot in previous chapters about what Nebuchadnezzar learned about God. What did Darius learn about God? He is a living God. He endures forever. God rescues and he saves. God performs wonders on our behalf. All the things that Darius learned about God through the situation. We've seen in this chapter a pattern that's pretty consistent through all the other chapters that we've covered. Just one, two, three, four. God's people stand up firm in their conviction. No compromise. God honors and protects his servants. The testimony of God makes the ungodly see and tell the testimony of God. In chapter 1, Daniel and his friends refused to eat the king's meat. What, did, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar saw the fruit of it. He glorified God. Chapter 2, Daniel boldly and wisely interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream that no one else could. What happened? The king honored God. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall. God delivered them from the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God. Chapter 4, Daniel told the king the hard truth. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled and gave honor to God. Over and over again. Don't we want people who do not believe this truth to see the greatness of God? And proclaim the greatness themselves? That's truly what we want, right? It won't happen if we're weak in our own convictions. If we don't stand for God's truth despite the pressures of the world. We can't let the world mold us in its image instead of us living in God's way. When we stand firm in godly conviction with humility, I always put that tag on there, we can't be self-righteous with humility even when it costs us something. Others will see and will be ministered unto. The next time you face persecution for your faith, don't be afraid. It's an opportunity for you to give God greater glory in this world. In our last verse, we see something familiar. Again, Daniel prospered over and over and over again. Daniel's faith is continually rewarded. He humbles himself. God elevates him once again. God wasn't done with Daniel yet. He had more to do. Many believe. How many? Oh, sorry. <laughs> how many believe that God has a plan for your life? Yes. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And then Romans eight twenty eight. Avery, you read this verse. You love this verse. Mm-hmm. And we all and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Some verses just hit a little harder, right? That's a good one. Um, <laughs> uh, if we live right, fear God, trust and obey his word, all hell cannot destroy us until we've completed the work that God's given us to do. The Old Testament and New Testament continually show this with the deliverances of Daniel, Peter, Paul, so many others, over and over again. So let's finish up our Daniel study. This kind of makes me sad. We're into the last, this is the last Daniel study. So, who likes alliterations? I do. The path Daniel progressed. Daniel was preferred a lot. He was plotted against. He prayed. He praised. He persistently served. He was persecuted, protected, preserved, and he prospered. And my name starts with P2, so that's cool. Uh, What a beautiful lesson that we can look in, in in the book of Daniel. God is faithful to his servants. And he truly does know what's best for us. 
You know what the best part of Daniel chapter 6 is? And it's just like a lot of other chapters in the Old Testament. Um, it, it points to something even greater. Something even greater than being saved from the lion's den. So what's the story? What's the story we just went through? A man without blame, faithful to God in all of his ways, noted for prayer, sent to his death because of the jealousy of those that wanted to prevent his exaltation, condemned to death because of the plotting of his enemies and the law of the land, thrown into a stone room meant to be his tomb. A seal was set over the stone, but in the end, death couldn't touch him. Um, the stone was rolled away. He came out victorious. He glorified God. The pagans gave honor to God, and his enemies were judged. So who are you talking about? Jesus. Daniel, but Jesus. <laughs> right? Right? Isn't it so cool how these Old Testament stories, so often if we're looking, are just gigantic flashing arrows pointing to Jesus. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to help teach these lessons over this fantastic book. And I hope everyone learned a lot over the past six weeks. It's been, uh, it's been truly been a pleasure. I know I've learned a lot getting to dig into this book and, and, uh, and, and t- help teach you guys. So um, thanks for attending, everyone that has. And uh, thanks to Avery and Mom. I know she's probably going to listen. Um, it's been wonderful. And uh, hasn't iGrove been awesome? Yeah, I've, we really enjoyed it. So... Let's close this out in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've done, Lord. We, we pray that, that we are strong in our faith, Lord, that we fear you and we have integrity in this world. Lord, we're not of this world, God, and we're not going to be conformed by it. We're going to live, we're going to live in truth, God, and we're going to live for you and give honor to you and be humble and let you exalt us if you so choose. And we're going to be faithful in the work that you have for us. Thank you that your word points to you and that we can continue to, to read it, to learn it, Lord, and to help let it guide us. Thank you for all you've done. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.